Welcome to Everything's Totally Fine. I'm Allie Hawk, and I'll be your host this week. Every other Tuesday, we bring you people who share stories about their lives. These aren't just any people. They're the toughest we can find. Join us to hear about the times we pretend everything's totally fine. Our guest this week has been on NPR Snap Judgment. She's also an op-ed writer for the New York Times, and she does stand-up. Every Tuesday at 10 p.m., she hosts a show called Crab Apple with Bobcat Goldthwaite. And you can check that show out at the Hollywood Improv in the back. I was happy to welcome Caitlin Gill to the program. Here's, I, when I was thinking about what to uh, say and do for this podcast, which is a great concept if you really want to mull over uh, atrocities of your own past, mm-hmm. this is just a way for me to make the best use of what it feels like when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. a podcast about where I've perhaps regretted my actions. Oh, yeah, okay. If you came to my house and recorded me at 8.15 when my eyes fly open, <laughs> gripped by terror and insignificant traumas of the past yes. then that that would probably be the best time to record yeah it's just like pure dread like you can feel it in your stomach everything's like a little darker it yeah. feels like yeah for about 20 minutes just repeating my like muttering to myself the things that i've done <laughs> or haven't done mm. those are really my favorite Good. i like to save really simple tasks that i could accomplish easily with no stress or effort invested and just not do them mm-hmm. until they become giant mountains that i will never climb that's <laughs> yeah. Like, you should really send that thank you email. Six days later, you are a horrible monster. All you had to do was say thank you and hit send, and you did not, and you never will. And that's how, that's what I do before coffee. That's generally how I spend that time. Good. Yeah. Oh, let's dig right into that stuff. I thought about this, and I was uh, not cool or popular. Ever. I don't know that I can be qualified as that now, and I have one of the coolest jobs you can possibly have. All I do is stand-up comedy, and I live in Los Angeles, and I have a mohawk and tattoos, and I'm still like, I don't think I'm very cool. You're, you're both think those things, I'm still faking it until I make it, and I don't even know what making it looks like. I, uh, but I, if I'm at my coolest now, I this has been a long road of trying to get to any kind of cool or happy uh but I, uh, so consequently, having never been that cool or socially aware or good at it, I was definitely bullied. Who wasn't? Okay. But I remember almost none of that. You know, like, I, I'm a grown-ass woman. Kids are monsters. We're all terrified. That's, you know, if I encountered, you know, some nasty behavior on somebody else's part, I am aware enough as a being to acknowledge that that came from something dark within them. I don't have to own that. I listen to a lot of RuPaul's podcasts. I feel (laughs) empowered to myself. I don't have to carry that weight for anybody else. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I don't hold, I have no malice toward my bullies. I don't care. I barely remember any of those incidents. The time that I was a bully, however, is oh. seared into my memory specific like really intense visuals absolute concrete memories as concrete as memories can be of the time that i was the one who did the bullying right and i i i, I mean i hope that he's forgotten it just as i have forgotten the abuse of my bullies mm-hmm. uh, you know no specific incidents do i remember mm-hmm. there's a couple but they don't carry any they don't impact me negatively okay. but oh my god being mean to somebody. I don't know if I'll ever let that go. Uh, before I explain my own actions, <laughs> yes. 
I will say that this particular person, should I give him a fake name? Should we just call him the kid? Yeah, let's call what him the we, kid. Uh, the kid? So the kid. He's already been damaged enough. We don't need we don't need to add to it. No. And I, I I mean, I hope that the kid is now thriving, happy, successful, hilarious. I think he, the kid deserves all the best. But the kid did not make it easy to not target him. He it, it was one of those situations where I felt like I I you leave me no choice, man. How can I not Make fun of you. So Look you, at your behavior. So you're victimizing yourself in this bully scenario. Yeah, this is where I qualify. I, you know, I'll I'll be as honest as I can remember uh, about my atrocities. But I, I should say that this didn't come out of nowhere, and it it the, the poor kid. Uh, he, you, I think we all know that one kid that has been in school with you since kindergarten, but still feels like he was homeschooled. Yeah, like has never shaken that. He he's rail thin and giant glasses and like bad complexion before you're ever supposed to have that mm-hmm. and just seem to respond to any social cue in exactly the opposite way that you are supposed to okay. like and I was poor at social cues I was uh, painting my own picture then I was an absolute tomboy I had a weird mullet I was probably smelled weird I wore the same clothes all the time right I was not great at being a kid I misread a lot of cues there's but no non weird mullet just there's no non weird oh, mullet no especially <laughs> but you take that non weird mullet and you put it on a child a girl child you just put <laughs> it on a tiny yeah girl child and it doesn't look right okay it didn't it never looked right but that haircut came from a fight between my dad and I that my dad wanted me to have long hair and I wanted to have short hair and then we both lost we both lost the fight <laughs> yes, and everybody else won and yeah yeah we all ha- we all won with that night's third grade school picture that's <laughs> yes. the classic uh this we were in a the kid and I uh not only went to school together but we were in the same church youth group and before I became aware that God is a lie that we're all telling ourselves, uh, mm-hmm. I definitely participated actively in church youth groups. My mom's a pastor, my stepmom's a pastor. So I would be at a church like three nights a week and every Sunday, and the, the three nights a week were all kid-based activities. So there would be like choir and there would be some kind of youth group and just gatherings where parents could go hide in another room and throw all their children together mm-hmm. with one sacrificial lamb parent who had to watch us all. Right, okay. So there was a social group that evolved from that the, that little circle of church kids. And some of them I'm still in touch with. Uh, unfortunately, the kid, I am not. So this apology is anonymous as opposed to <laughs> face-to-face. Right. But uh, even within, kids do this where, and we do it before we're aware of any, of why, of why we're doing it. But the social cliques emerge so fierce and so fast and so early and I was always on the bottom rung of the social circle. Like, I, me and my friend Marissa were sn- like snorting pixie sticks in the bathroom of the church. We were the bad kids. We were the rebels. We were the ones that never listened and squirmed. And okay. So we were cool and by virtue of being bad, but we were not popular. We were not the golden-haired, beautiful, attentive, perfect. I, I okay. grew up in Napa. It's all okay. Okay. segregated so that I only hung out with white kids and it was all like uh, like upper middle class, the worst kind of rich. Mm-hmm. So those kids wearing a spree and mm-hmm. fresh air Jordans and yes. you know everybody had a flat top, uh, including me a little bit. But we, <laughs> uh, so there were those very popular kids that were good at being kids, very happy in their station in life, peaked in high school, and are now miserable with kids they resent. But that's their story. That's their own problem. At the time, uh, 
my little circle and I were at the, we were the bottom. We were basically the, we were not cool fish, uh, but there was one tadpole below us and that was the kid. And, you know, the kid would show up with like, you know, weird khakis and a polo tucked in and smelling weird and dirty shoes, like Mm -hmm. just not, it it was never going to be in competition for cooler. And I was being made fun of by people above me in social rank. So I internalized the lesson that that's how you demonstrate your rank is by picking the one who's below you. And letting them know. And making Mm -hmm. sure they know that, you know, yeah, all right, I'm getting made fun of by them, but I got, you know, it's Bart. Now Martin's capping on me? Like, Martin can't cap on Bart. You know, that's how that works. Oh, right. It works one direction. The shit flows downhill. Uh, So we all... I joined in on the uh, group's recognition that the kid was our 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 pariah, the one that we were going to make sure he knew mm-hmm. that if you were above anybody, you were above the kid. groups spent way too much time together just too much there were camping trips and it this is where i would get roped into true bullying behavior i was never nice to the kid ever because you can't be seen as being nice to the kid because Mm -hmm. then you're associated and you've been tainted by his social uncoolness Mm -hmm. uh so i would uh find myself sort of swept into the group frenzy it was a little it was a little uh you know what's that island with the fly lord of the flies it was lord of fliesy right uh and he was definitely our piggy uh Mm -hmm. And we, I, the first one I remember was a like a camp out scenario where I wound up in a tent with the kid and we did everything you can do that's not cool to do in somebody's sleeping bag. We definitely opened, all of us took our travel toothpastes and opened them and then just shoved them in his sleeping bag so that when he rolled around in the night, he just became covered that's, with white paste. Okay, so that's actual bullying. Yeah, yeah. oh, these were, this mm-hmm. is true, bu- this is gang bullying. This is a conspiracy of bullies gathering together to target a single individual. Okay, the right. worst kind. The right. worst kind. And, you know, we all had a good laugh except for him, because uh, kids are evil people, and I was evil too. And <clears throat> it just never got better. And you'd think, like, once you get a taste of it, maybe that's enough. But it proved not to be. We were all maybe a third or fourth grade, and we all went to uh, a church in Oakland, giant church, to have a lock-in. That's an hour's car ride, which I spent with the kid. And when I say he didn't make it easy, this is how the kid spent the drive. We all got Sundays. I feel like we had some occasion to have plastic spoons. So the kid is sitting in the very back of a van, and we all slowly realize that this is what he's doing through the entire ride. He's taking a little bit of saliva, and he's just putting it into the spoon, and then he's lapping it up again. No. Yep. Yeah, he spent about 45 minutes of that ride just spitting into a spoon and then drinking his own spit out of the spoon. Even the adults at that point were like, kid, what are you doing? <laughs> kid, we want to help, but you can't. You can't. Yeah. Well, it's, that's awfully slurpy. Like, that noise oh. must have been tough. And it's, looking at it now, I know that the kid, the, his home life was not easy. You don't make that kid out of an easy childhood. He right. sought attention any way he could. Most of that attention was negative. And I think at some point, hardwired, he just figured out that... If he acts out weird, not bad, he was never a mean kid, but if Mm -hmm. he acts out weird, he will get attention. 
Right. Because there's those kids. I'm going to start a fire. Somebody will look at me. That was never the kid's instinct. It's like, I'm going to be Drink weird. I'm going to wear this, uh, wear my polo inside out today until somebody notices and tries to help me. Nobody oh. ever tried to help. Wow. I know. So Slurpee McSlurp is in the back of Slurping Away. And it, man, my blood teeth just came out. Like I was, I, I was a shark and in the water, <laughs> I could smell a less popular child. Uh-huh. And it's starting just I c- yes. in the car. Yes. You're not even locked in yet. And the popular kids are never going to include me in an activity that doesn't include my social rank, you know? Mm-hmm. And if the activity is targeting somebody, the only person below me in social rank, then I will be included in activ- the activity. I would get to join in in the plot. Right. Okay. Uh against this poor kid Mm -hmm. oh my god we did everything we organized games intended to hide from him making up games so that we could pick him last for things oh my god yeah it was so premeditated so premeditated like this is absolutely discussed well orchestrated planning Uh you know if we were trying like you read about kids who like we're 16 i read this today that there's a group of teenagers who have devised a condom that changes color at the detection of a sexually transmitted disease if we had focused our energy on solving the world's problems, we could have been those kids. Like, yes. kids discover vital cancer gene that nobody ever knew about before at a church lock-in in Oakland. That is the power and focus that we had. Yeah, you guys were so well organized. That's not how we spent our time. What we spent our time doing was trying to find a carafe, the thing from a coffee maker, mm-hmm. and getting warm water. We stayed up until he fell asleep, and then we did the thing where you put somebody's hand in warm water, mm-hmm. and it worked. He peed? He peed. So after this is post-tooth, like, we could yeah. not leave this kid's sleeping bag alone. No, you just I don't think the kid, nobody on. was buying the kid a new sleeping bag. Like, oh, it's just unless collecting he, all of yeah, these experiences. Yeah, toothpaste, urine, tragedy, tears, the <laughs> whole thing. And I wish I could say it got better. We were so young, but I was in school with the kid forever. Mm-hmm. And he never, it, like, he just never made it easier. He was the most enthusiastic marching band member, member okay. you've ever mm-hmm. seen. This had to be, like, 10th or 11th grade, because it was in physics, so it had to be 11th grade. It was Mr. Dean's class. And I was sitting behind him, and the kid had a pimple on his neck. Mm-hmm. Like the back of his neck. Mm-hmm. And I now, as a grown-up, I just, like, I'm one of those millions of creeps that watches blackhead videos on YouTube. Like, I get it. I think I, at the time, I was just realizing how fascinating stuff coming out of skin is. Like, it's a weird human. We don't pick our nits anymore or eat, you know, bugs off each other. But, like, if you don't have an urge to pop a pimple that somebody can't reach or see, you are barely a human being. <laughs> And, you know, now as a grown up, if I was sitting behind the kid in like a restaurant or a movie and I saw it, I would just be like, oh, that would be so much fun. Like, look at like, I bet that's going to be really satisfying when he finally gets around to taking care of that for himself. Okay, that's what I'm expecting that you did in physics. I'm expecting you had had that thought and you moved on. Oh, there were like four of us in a little group behind him discussing it. We drew pictures of it. Mm. We drew cartoons of things emerging from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, we did at one point make contact, but he uh, swatted us off. Oh, but he was no. definitely aware that we were drawing his neck pimple and so during how physics. Did, how did you actually feel? Like, was there like a power surge inside of yes. you? There was also uh, the shame is longer. It's like a lower, slower note. You know, mm-hmm. in the orchestra of feelings that you have, if mm-hmm. you were bowling somebody that I had when I was bowling somebody, the the thrills are much more immediate, much higher, and more thrilling. Like it's the blast of the trumpet as compared to the soft beat of the bass. Like you can't, it's uh, 
That's why the shame hasn't gone. I feel all of the shame now. I feel none of the thrill. In discussing these exploits, it's not like, yeah, we really got him. That that zit picture was hilarious. <laughs> like, was it worth No, none of those. It's, you know, it's drugs. It's drugs. It's fun until it's, you know, it, but the consequences of it will follow you for much longer than you wish they would. Speaking of drugs, here's a quick teaser of the interview that you can hear in two weeks with our next guest. Drugs are great. Yeah. They are. They make everything a lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs> if there's any lesson to be learned here, it's, keep doing drugs. That's right. Go far from home and do drugs. Yeah. Everything yeah. will be okay. Always trust strangers. Uh, yeah. They're good people. There's never been a bad stranger. No. That's a good bumper sticker. <laughs> For more of that advice and the stories behind them, tune in to our next episode on June 14th. And now back to the bullying, when things finally come to a head. Uh, we were in the, the main quad of my high school, and I was taunting him, I'm sure, like out loud, just yelling shit at him, because I was a horrible person. And he just stopped and was like, why do you do this to me? And I just, I, I said basically that thing of like, you because it was me or you, man. <laughs> you, just, uh, you were yeah. out with it. Yes, because look at us. This like I I was probably wearing my dad's sweater and a pair of old man pants I bought at the Goodwill mm-hmm. and I you know inside like I I, <laughs> I did not look like anybody that was gonna I never went to a dance in high school I like I was not I was still not any cooler than I was then mm-hmm. so we just had this honest breakdown of like because I have no choice because this is the environment that we are trapped in because you because this is the feeding cycle man. I have to eat you to survive. <laughs> but yeah, I still feel bad. Sorry, the kid. I don't, I, I mean, I, I was never nice to you. Yeah, but who would have thought that you'd be carrying this so long? Right? It's- and none of the, like, I, I know that I was, like, pushed, like, physically pushed down a few times. I know that I was shoved into the boys' room mm-hmm. a bunch. I know that, you know, weird, creepy stuff later, like, you know, girls in middle school were extra vicious and evil like Mm -hmm. the frenemy phase of life where people like a group of girls are like we're not friends with you anymore Mm -hmm. in like a group chat on aol like fucking aim ruined right yes not good then they like your best friend gets a new best friend the two Mm -hmm. of them get on aim and one account just the worst yeah it was awful but i guess it but even all that is not as bad as looking back and remembering of course not of course not I mean, I guess those are the big lessons not to get, but I have thought about this enough to, I guess, realize that, that your actions, the only thing you can really control is your actions toward other people and your reactions toward other people. And I, you know, instead of not letting people being shitty getting me down, it did. And then I took that behavior and just stockholmed the hell out of it and passed it on down to the next hostage. And that's not, you know, I don't have to... I wouldn't I'm I wouldn't do that now. I don't think I'm that I'm happy I'm a fucking adult and that mm-hmm. I choose I get to live a life where I choose who I surround myself with. But mm-hmm. I don't do you have a what do you do you remember instances where somebody did something mean to you more than mean things you've done to other people? No. Uh once I was at a sleepover for a girl, I wasn't only really friends with her. She was like in the she had like went to the special learning mm-hmm. part of the school. And she just had some cognitive disability of some sort and uh, got invited to a birthday party with another girl. And we were the only ones that spent the night for some reason. And the 
girl who I was with was like in my subdivision. She was popular, so she mm-hmm. was above me. But then I was like kind of her sidekick for this party. Sure. And so I was going to do whatever she thought was cool. So yes. she devised this plot to convince this girl that makeup, like she was going to teach her how to apply makeup, and she said that you should like put other color, you should put one color of eyeshadow on one eye and a different color on the other eye and like do blush on one side, but no blush on the other side. Literally like lipstick on half your face. And so then I like totally reinforced it. Even though I am wearing boys clothes, I probably weighed 45 pounds, <laughs> never had touched makeup, but I was like totally in. And so this girl just did the makeup like that and we went to sleep and we we're like at this girl's house, like we're in her safe space. Honestly, that sounds like a pretty fly look. Like... <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you watch Drag Race, but <laughs> she was yeah, she maybe would kill she's, it. A, she's ahead it's of the times. It's a hot look. It's a hot look. And but I, I felt terrible. And like and then her mom, like her mom saw and then of and course. I she knew what we had done and I knew and I like got in the car and my mom picked me up and I just didn't want to like tell her what had happened. I felt so shitty. It was awful. Yeah. Awful. It it clings. It clings to you. Yeah, it does. A lot worse cuz now the girls who like bullied me and kicked me out of lunch table it's like okay well i don't want to be friends with them anyway right but then that girl i just yeah i feel so shitty about that of course it's funny yeah i i I guess that's good that's that's probably good it's inevitable that we're going to do shitty things Mm -hmm. emotions cloud your judgment and you make choices that you wouldn't make if you were thinking with a clearer head that's Mm -hmm. absolutely human but the next human opportunity is to reflect on that and and just don't it like I am not the victim in the kid story. I know I qualified it, and but goddamn it, the kid didn't make it easy. Those are right. my actions. I'm accountable for it. Doesn't matter that the kid spat spit into a spoon and then drank it for 45 minutes. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he wasn't asking for to be covered in toothpaste because of that. No, he definitely was not. No. What I have to struggle with now is the bitter bitterness and jealousy. I've been doing comedy for almost 10 years, and about uh, five years ago. I came to a personal tipping point, not a career tipping point, where it was like, oh, this is going to, it the the bitterness and jealousy will end what I'm going for right here, unless I'm able to get over it and let it go. And it, I had to fake it. My friends would get something I would want. And this is such small potatoes. This is in San Francisco where I started out. And, you know, looking at it, then it was like, they have climbed to the, this is the highest pinnacle of achievement. But my friends would get it and I'd boil over with jealousy and I, I, uh, I would pretend that I had a good poker face, but of course nobody does. And I eventually just had to really fake it. So somebody would get something that I wanted and I would force myself to walk over and congratulate them and look at their face and shake their hands and let them know if they needed help. Like, and what, just say what the words. What did it feel like? Were you, how did you feel inside? Like, was your voice like just gravelly and it was clear that you were forcing yourself? Yeah, probably. Well, I don't know. Probably for like six months. It, uh, I felt terrible. I still felt bad. I would say the right words, but I still felt bitterness and jealousy. And then I started to believe the words. I've, I oh. faked it till I made it. And it. Uh, I remember how, like, night and day, how much different that felt. That once I started believing it when I congratulated people and letting that feeling in of being happy for somebody's accomplishment, it was so, it was so nice that I sought it out. That joy sort of won over the bitterness. I, I liked one high more than the other. So I opted for that better one. And your friend's success is your success. And you make your opportunities. They don't, you know, nobody hands it to you. All those lessons started to sink in. And five years later, I'm not fucking famous. But I live here and I do what I love. And, you know, right. I spend my time the way in a way that I'm very thankful I get to. Yeah. So 
I that n- would not have happened. I would not have been able to handle Los Angeles. I pr- I wouldn't have been able to move. I would have let bitterness at not getting a fucking Sunday night at the punchline arrest my development unless I had handled it. Well, and I think that the internet makes it harder to to make that to oh, of jump and leap because you can see everybody's success. But you're not looking at their face. It's just it's the same reason comment section are are a vile cesspool of if human ignorance and vitriol because you, it's not a face to face interaction. So if I see somebody post something I want, my first response is is mine. I, it's not like I'm looking at them and I can see how happy or scared or excited they are. I'm not getting anything. I'm just seeing. That's not mine. You took my toy. <laughs> so still, is that still an immediate reaction? Would I'll you still say? feel a flash of it, but I don't want that to go away either. That's true. I'm still hungry. I still want things. Right. Okay. But uh, and I think I just giving myself permission, like not having the shame attached to that, it doesn't amplify. I don't get caught in the cycle. But a little flash of like, damn, you know, I wish, like we were both at that fucking callback. I wish I had gotten that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I do wish I had gotten that. That doesn't mean I'm not really happy for somebody who did. Right. That, okay. Both of those can exist at the same time. Yeah, I think. And, and so did did you see yourself changing and your experiences changing after you started becoming more empathetic and happy for people? Absolutely. I appreciated the opportunities I got more. I didn't dwell on, you know, bombing or failures or which let me like there have been instances when I wish I had performed better in front of people that I really wish had seen me perform better. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you skin your knees, you get up. When I see those people again, if I'm not wearing that shame on my face, if I'm still, you know, happy, presentable, easy to be around, that still helps open other opportunities. So, yeah, I, it's, a, it's, it's better now. It changed everything about how I receive an opportunity and what I do with it. Right. It sounds like the difference is actually, like, in the dwelling on. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is the same as this bullying thing. This is what is residual that I haven't gotten over if I could go back to tiny Caitlin, I would just be like, I'm going to fix your shirt real quick. And I'm going to just, we're going to cut your hair really fast and maybe relax on this one. Like, don't pick your nose or whatever. Like, I w- there are uh, behaviors that made me a target and ways that people took advantage of that that still scare me. So when I see people who are socially unaware and are, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm still so bad at this, but th- when I see people having behaviors that would make them a victim, mm-hmm. I don't get sympathetic. I get angry. Like, don't you know what you're doing to yourself? Like, okay. God, you're, oh, you're, this is the worst you're doing. This is so bad. And you get angry because you could see, you. it's almost like you get frustrated the way you would with yourself. Yeah, you're- it scares me because I know that it was shitty when I, like, I know how shitty it was for me. Uh, so I get like scared on the person's behalf and then having to feel the fear makes me angry at them so that none of that is compassionate none of that is nice (laughs) but it's coming from a good place i think because you do want the best for them which is why i keep to myself and keep mum there are people like there are uh i guess personality traits that would not make me those are still wonderful great people who deserve the best of friends but because i would be tense around them because i wouldn't let them you know I would be afraid of their freak flag, and they should fucking fly it. So I'll I'll reserve. I won't necessarily engage as closely with that person, which means that I miss out on some good friends because I get judgy and afraid. Okay, but, right. You know, but you're also not banding together to put toothpaste on them. Absolutely so. not. But right. if I'm gonna be shy and retreated, that kind of energy radiates everywhere. Mm-hmm. That happens to me. I'm a big personality. You can't really miss me when I'm in a room. I'm a giant, and it's I'm loud. And if there's people who. Uh, recoil from that i understand there are good reasons to like you know mm-hmm. i shout opinions i say things loud there are things that 
it would scare people. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I feel somebody shrink away from my big personality, it, it you feel so vulnerable. So I don't want to do that to people. Okay. Right. I mean, I can take it. I don't want to dish it out. It's you, you know that's mm-hmm. fine, but it never feels pleasant. Right. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll hold. I, I definitely treat those people with respect, but some of that respect remains. It means keeping a boundary. That's like. Oh, I'm not going to be a good friend to you. We've all been that guy. We've all, everybody has. Yep. Yeah, and it is. It's really just out of this place of like, it's me or you, man. And you said that to a kid. Yes. So. Yeah. In it, public. Yeah. You're shouting at each other in a quad. So many years of simmering tension exploding <laughs> like a zit on the back of your neck. <laughs> That's our show. Our theme music is by Danny Janino, and our art is by Jen Hamilton. Also a special thanks this week to Libby Spears and Blueprint Films. If you like the show, please rate us and give us a review in iTunes. It goes a long way. Thanks for listening.